And last Sunday I shared with you that in other parts of Scripture, Jesus spoke in parables. He would speak to the masses in parables, but then he would interpret or explain the parable to his disciples. He was a master teacher, one-on-one, one-on-three, one-on-twelve, one-on-multitudes. But last week, I shared with you a passage that was not a parable. And it was the story, a real story, told by Jesus Christ himself about a rich man who was dressed in fine linen and purple and had parties every day. And at the foot of his table, there was this man named Lazarus, so weak, so frail, that he couldn't even shoo away the dogs that were competing with him for the morsels of food that would fall off the rich man's table. But the great equalizer was death. When the rich man died, he was buried, but he went to hell. When Lazarus died, he spent a good time in Abraham's bosom. And I shared with you that once you're in that place, that is a permanent place. You cannot get from point A to point B or from point B to point A. That's it. There is a fixed chasm that separates you. The sad thing is when you're in hell, all your sensors are intact. You can feel torment, pain, suffering, thirst. It's a place of darkness. While in heaven, it is a place of joy, of peace, of beauty, and of light. And one of his own disciples asked, We don't know the place. How can we go? And the answer is, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This morning we'll continue discussing the Word of God. And... Finish the sentence, if you will. Cause and? Ah, Very good. Stimulus and? Stimulus and stimulus. (laughs) A stimulus will elicit a response or a reaction. Yes? How about this? Question and? Very good, very good. You're all awake. My question is this. If I give you an answer without you asking me any question, doesn't that feel maybe even rude or weird? Sometimes when you're married for so many years, right? Do you encounter this? You're still thinking about the question. (laughs) All right. And your spouse is already giving the answer. <laughs> I told you I'm hitting on a lot of nerves this morning. You know, you're, you're so familiar with each other that, you know what? Yes, I think we should go to the beach. I, I didn't even ask anything yet. 
And my friends, this morning, this is the title of my message. I didn't ask. <laughs> I didn't ask. Mother's Day. It's up to you how you will interpret that, okay? I didn't ask. So how is it that I get an answer when I didn't even ask? Let's pray. God, as we come before you and we look to your word, will you speak to us, Lord, and answer this question for us? Questions that we may never even have asked of you. And we trust that you will meet us at our level of need and understanding this morning. As we look to your word, speak to us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What's the title this morning? I didn't ask. I didn't ask. John chapter 3, verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. We are introduced to this man. His name is Nicodemus. And how is he described? He is a Pharisee. Now what is a Pharisee? A Pharisee, teras, signifying to separate, owing to a different manner of life from the general public. In zeal for the law, they almost deified it, and their attitude became merely external, formal, and mechanical. They laid stress not upon the righteousness of an action, but upon its formal correctness. They considered themselves, if you are a Pharisee, you would consider yourself separate. We're not like you. We're different. You're over there. I'm at a different level. They were most particular with the oral and written law handed down from God to Moses. They were so meticulous in the law that they had managed to expand the Ten Commandments into 613 commandments. My friends, we cannot even fulfill law number one. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. How can we possibly obey 613, 24-7, 365 days? But they thought that because they studied the law, that they were great orators of the law, that they had to memorize all the five books written by Moses. And what are they? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And all we memorize up to now, Jesus wept. Next year when I ask you, what have you memorized? Tumangis si Jesus, which is just the Tagalog version of Jesus wept. For you to become a Pharisee, you have to not only know the oral law and the written law. They felt that they were separate, that they were cut above the rest. 
they focused on the correctness of the law. They no longer regarded the spirit of the law. And who are we talking about? Nicodemus. But the Bible describes us, for us, that Nicodemus was not only a Pharisee. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Now what is this? The Jewish ruling council of the Sanhedrin was an assembly of 23 judges appointed in every city in Israel. The Supreme Court of the Sanhedrin was referred to as the Great Sanhedrin and was located in Jerusalem. Nicodemus was not only a Pharisee, an elite honor in itself, he was a member of the Great Sanhedrin. He was the member of the 70 group of people that represented, in other words, the Supreme Court of Spirituality. To be a member of the Sanhedrin, you would have to master subjects of mathematics, politics. You have to be a good orator. You must know philosophy. You must know history. You must know medicine. You must know astronomy. As a Sanhedrin member had to be a rich guy. So if you are a Pharisee and you are a member of the Sanhedrin, what do you have? You have power. You have position. What else? You have popularity. Wow. The Pharisee is in the room. He's a member of the Jewish ruling council. He is cut above the rest. Who is there? Who are we talking about? Nicodemus. Nicodemus. A Pharisee, and not only an ordinary, regular Pharisee, he was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. We are introduced to the second person in the story. And who is the second person? Jesus. And how does this rich member of the Jewish Ruling council named Nicodemus. How does he refer to Jesus? Rabbi. Now if I'm the teacher, usually you are the? Why is the teacher referring to Jesus Christ as the teacher? Besides that, why would you go to Jesus at night? He always preaches to the crowd. Whenever he goes, he preaches in broad daylight. Why don't you just go to Jesus and raise your hand? Jesus, Rabbi, I have a question. Why don't you just do that? Why do you think that Nicodemus would go to Jesus at night? Could it be that because he was popular? That he was a man of influence? That if he went to Jesus at, at daytime and asked, how would that affect how other people would view him. Could he be, have, maybe he was proud. Maybe he didn't want to be seen. Maybe he did not want to be associated with Jesus Christ. So he goes under cover of darkness. And he tells Jesus. He acknowledges the authority of Jesus by calling him Rabbi. 
Rabbi. And how does he say? You are a teacher who has what? Come from God. This is no ordinary teacher. This is not a teacher who went to the rabbi school of theology. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has what? Come from God. He goes under cover of darkness. And, and why does Nicodemus say that Jesus is one who has come from God? The latter part of verse 2. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if he were not with him. Who you are is validated by your actions. Nicodemus recognized the authority of Jesus Christ. How? No one could do what you do if you were not from God. Verse 1 and 2 lays out for us the foundation of the conversation that follows. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Did Nicodemus ask anything? Yes or no? See, I didn't ask. I didn't pose a question that elicits a response. I didn't give any stimulus that would elicit a reaction. I did not give anything to cause so that it would have an effect. I didn't ask. All I said was, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do the miraculous signs that you have done except that you are from God. I just told you my perception of you. And look how Jesus responds in reply. Therefore, when you see that there is a reply, there, is, there should have been a what? A question. And if you look at the reply, you will be able to deduce for yourself what the question is. And what would be the question that would fit this answer? Huh? How to be born again? Or how can I go to heaven? So if you were Nicodemus, and you were probably thinking to yourself, okay, I'm going to ask this great teacher from God, how can one go to heaven? And in reply to the question that was never asked, Jesus in reply said, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Now why would Jesus know what the question in Nicodemus's heart and mind is that he would give this response? Because Jesus is God. And Jesus knows what you and I are thinking and feeling right now. He knows that you're thinking about the patros that might be cooking at your oven. No, I, I think I hit another nerve right there. He knows everything. So when Nicodemus went to Jesus, right? And even if 
I didn't ask. He gives an answer. Truly I say to you. No one can see the kingdom of God. Unless he is born again. So if be, is being born again a requirement to see the kingdom of God? Yes. Did Nicodemus ask? No. But Jesus gave him the answer anyway. Nicodemus, this great teacher, member of the ruling council. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be reborn or to be born? What was Nicodemus thinking when Jesus Christ said, you must be born again? Huh? He was thinking of the natural or the physical. Right? So when Jesus Christ told him, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again, he was thinking of natural birth. Mothers who are here, when you give birth, right? You go through certain birth pains, you, you know, epidurals and all that stuff. And then you give birth to the child, and the child breathes and cries, its first cry. And then all the pain goes away. Mind you, I'm not a mother, so I'm just, you know, <laughs> interpolating all of this stuff, you know. So Nicodemus was thinking, okay, my mother already gave birth to me once, so am I going to go back and have to do this process again? Because you said I must be born again? Nicodemus was thinking on the natural or on the physical level of his understanding of what Jesus Christ meant to be born again. Even if he didn't ask. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Nicodemus' level of understanding was the physical, natural birth. Jesus continues the conversation and gives him the answer. I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Being born of water refers to physical birth, natural birth. Mothers, you know that you are about to give birth when? When the water bag breaks. Honey, you got to come home. Why? Water bag broke. Boom. Because you know it's time. Jesus Christ said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you're talking about natural birth. Being born again means you have to be born first naturally, physically to this earth. And then you have a second birth a rebirth that is brought about by the Spirit of God. Truly I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of Spirit. Are you with me? Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Physical, natural birth. Spiritual, rebirth. Born again. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Why does Jesus have kind of strong words for Nicodemus? You should not be surprised. Why? He's a Pharisee. 
He's not an ordinary Pharisee. He's the member of the Jewish ruling council. People will go to him to seek advice, to seek counsel in spiritual matters. Yet you, Nicodemus, you do not understand these things? Why are you surprised that I say you must be born again? Now, friends, when you see must, is that an option? Or is it an absolute requirement? So for you and I to be able to enter the kingdom of heaven, should we, must we be born again? If it is a must, if, if, it, if it is an absolute requirement, do you think we should look into this matter? What does Jesus Christ have to say about being born again? I think it's a valid and most important question. Even if you didn't ask. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where, the, where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How do you know that? Oh, have you seen electricity? How many of you have seen electricity? Oh, how many of you have seen the wind? You've seen the wind? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. No! Nobody has seen electricity. Nobody has seen the wind. But why do we know that there's electricity? You can hear me. My mic is on. We have lights. The projectors are up and running. Right? We do not see electricity. But we see the effect of electricity. Yesterday in the beach, how do you know that it was windy? <laughs> how do you know that there was wind? The tent flew over. <laughs> there was a light sandstorm coming from, you know, and then you're eating because the wind, the sand, you know. And then my wife said, I think there's some sand in my ear. You, do, you and I do not see wind, but we know that there is wind when we see the rustling of the leaves. When we feel the wind in our, in our face and in our hair. And Jesus Christ said, so it is with a man who has been born of God. He is born of the Spirit. You cannot see the Holy Spirit. But when you see a person born of the Holy Spirit, you will see the evidence in this person's life. Amen. So if you are here this morning and you say that you've been born again, but you do not see evidence, would you please examine yourself to test if you are in the faith. As Paul writes, unless of course, you fail the test. Nicodemus, teacher, member of the Jewish ruling council. What was his question? Now he's asking, how can this be? Did Nicodemus understand? No. 
You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Maybe you bought your diploma under the Recto Bridge. <laughs> you have all of this diploma. You know, he, especially here in the U.S., right? You go to a, you go to a church. If you happen to have an appointment with, uh, with one of their pastors there, I submit to you, you will see more than one certificate. Graduate of so-and-so, theological seminary, masteral degree of so-and-so, right? But the Bible is telling us the evidence is in how this person lives out his Christianity. If there is evidence of newness of life, I'm not saying that we are perfect. What I'm saying is there must be evidence of newness of life. Because if you say that you're born again, it means something new has come into your life. Amen. Parang nakita ni mami yung sunod kong slide. Look, Jesus Christ is telling Nicodemus, you are the teacher and you do not know of these things? I tell you the truth, Jesus Christ says. We speak of what we know and we testify of what we have seen, but still you people do not accept what? Our testimony. And what is the testimony of Jesus thus far? You cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. You can't understand this. Yet you are Israel's teacher and you do not accept our testimony? What is the requirement? For you and I to be able to go to heaven. We must be born again. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? What is Jesus Christ saying? I'm already talking to you at your level of understanding. Yet what? You do not exercise faith. Yet what? You do not believe. And then what? You expect us to understand you when it comes to spiritual things, when the very simple human natural means you cannot even understand. Yet you are Israel's teacher. No one has ever gone to heaven except the one who came from heaven. And who is that? Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. And the angel announced, this day, a Savior has been born for you in the city of David. And you shall call him what? Emmanuel, God with us. Who is this? Jesus. So when Jesus Christ says he is the one that came from above to be here, you better listen to him. Because he knows everything. He was the one who was there in heaven, who came down, who went to the cross, who paid for your sin and mine. But is the cross empty? Yes. Because Jesus is alive. Now, 
Jesus begins to discuss something that would trigger with cause and effect on Nicodemus. Just, verse 14, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. Just as Moses, kaching. I know Moses. Born again. Mm. But Moses, I know. Why? As a Pharisee, you have to memorize Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Moses, ah, I know Moses. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. Verse 15, so that everyone who? If you believe, you have eternal life. Yes? You must exercise faith. Yes? If you exercise faith in the promise of God, what do you have? Eternal life. So what is this? Moses lifted up the serpent in the stake thing. Numbers 21. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and spoke against Moses and said, Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread. There is no water. And we detest this miserable food. Question. Did God not liberate them from slavery in Egypt? Yes. Did God not promise that he would bring them to a good and spacious land? A land flowing with milk and honey? Yes. Did God not provide for them a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night as they journeyed? Yes. Did God not provide for them food when they needed it? Water when they needed it? But what is the accusation of his own people? We detest this situation. What did they do? Complain. Do you complain? Oh, come on. It's just you and I here, right? Do you complain? Yes. What do you complain about? Oh, Lord, we thank you for this food. Thank you for providing. In Jesus' name we pray. When then you open your eyes. Again? <laughs> this was my breakfast. Now it's my dinner. Or sometimes reverse. This was my dinner. Now it's my breakfast. We complain about everything. Yes? My friend, when you and I complain, eventually... All your complaints will go up to God. Why do I have such parents? Why do I have such children? And before you know it, because Adam and Eve, and because God created Adam and Eve, therefore, God, this is your fault. Just like them. They became impatient. They grumbled. They complained. They did not regard everything that God had already provided to them and for them. And they forgot the promise of God. I will bring you to a good and spacious land. It's easier to complain. It's very hard to appreciate. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them 
they beat the people and many Israelites died. Does God hear your complaint? Might God send you venomous snakes? Oh, wag naman. Wag na. Never mind. Wag na. You like this? You complain and God will send a snake and you, you get bitten and you die? God, complain lang eh. Small thing. Why do you need to react that way? No, no, no. Look, they rebelled against God. So what did God do? God sent venomous snakes. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Ah, confession time. Confession time. We sinned against you. We sinned against the Lord. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. You see the gracious side of Moses? He still prayed. The, com the people already complained against him also. Right? But Moses was gracious enough to pray for the people. So he prayed. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is beaten can look at it and live. How many of you here in this room are medical practitioners? Raise your hand. Oh, none. Oh, okay. Raise your Don't shy. Don't shy. You're driving. All of a sudden, you get this piercing pain in your stomach. Ah, I need to see a doctor. I need to go to urgent care. But you're in the middle of, you know, nowhere. How do you know that this person is a doctor. There's no sign. Dr. Lorenzo Nolan. No such person, so don't go to him. <laughs> How do you know? You will see a pole and you will see a serpent. Yes? When you see that sign, oh, this is someone who can heal me. Yes? Now, did it make any logical sense at all that if you are bitten, you will look at the snake? Ow! <laughs> Man, it does not make sense. But friends, if it made sense, you and I would have no need of faith. Yes? You don't need faith. If it's logical, my friends, you don't need faith. You don't. All you need is logic. You have a sound mind. That's all you need. But God does not operate on logic. God operates on faith. Anyone who is beaten must look to the snake. And if he looks, what is the promise? He can look and we live. So what happened? So Moses followed. Moses made a brown snake and put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by the snake and he looked at the brown snake, what happened? He lived. Why will you look at the snake? Because this is God's solution 
to your problem. It may not make sense. It may have no iota of logic. But this is God's solution to your problem. Look at the snake. And if you look, you will live. Now, why will I look? Because I believe that this is God's solution to my problem. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent on the desert, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. Yes? Scholars have it that two million people left Egypt. We do not know how many people complained and how many people were bitten and how many died and how many lived. But Jesus Christ told Nicodemus, just as Moses lifted up, you see, he had to put it on a pole. Because if you are two million strong here, and I'm only five two with heels, <laughs> how can you see the snake? If you are the 1,999,000 person there at the back, and the snake is here. And there's a six foot five guy in front of you. I want to look. I want to look. I want to look. But I cannot look. So what? Moses put the bronze snake on a pole and lifted it up. So that the very last person who needed to gaze at the snake motivated by faith, would be able to look. And why must Jesus Christ not just stone to death? It's easier. Why? Because He had to be lifted up. His cross was up on a mountain so that people from all directions will be able to look at the cross of Jesus Christ and see what He has done so that they too may have eternal life. They too may believe and receive salvation. Not because of what they do, but because of what Jesus has already done. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. Why? I know some of you, this is your favorite verse. Why? Because God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but what? Have eternal life. Does God want for us to have eternal life? Yes. How did He prove it? By sending His one and only Son to die a criminal's death, to be made a public display so that anyone who chooses to put his or her faith in what Jesus Christ has done and the promise of God might receive eternal life. Remember the two places? Hell and heaven. It's your choice. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whomsoever believes will not go to hell but will spend eternity with God in heaven. Why? God loves us. 
Now, he doesn't wait for us to change. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his own love towards us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why? Because only through Christ can we be born again. Because only through Christ can we be those people who will spend eternity with God in heaven. You must be born again. Why? For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. I shared with you about two weeks ago, right? I came to seek and save the lost. God can only save you if you agree with God that you are lost. Because how can you be found if you don't think and believe that you are lost? Yes? But if you agree before God, God, I am lost. I am lost without you. I am separated from you because of my sin. And the promise of Jesus Christ, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek with me, if you seek me with all of your heart. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whomsoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. Why? Jesus Christ did not, God did not send me to judge the world, but to save it. If God wanted to judge the world, he would not have sent a savior. If God wanted all of us just to have money left and right oozing out from our ears, God would probably have sent an economist or a financial executive. But we needed what? Salvation. So God sent a Savior. We need to walk in humility. So how did Jesus Christ live? As a son of a carpenter. Jesus wants us to walk in selflessness. So what did Jesus Christ do? He modeled selflessness for us by becoming obedient to the will of the Father even unto death, even death on a cross. But there is a promise. Therefore God exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why? God loves you. Even if you didn't ask. God loves you. Did Nicodemus understand by this time? Let's see. John 7. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier. Oh, pastor, it might be another Nicodemus. Oh, well, it's very clear. Nicodemus, who went to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own, asked, Does the law condemn anyone first without first hearing him to find out what he is doing? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Look into it, and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. What was Nicodemus doing in the Sanhedrin when he made this statement? He was defending Jesus Christ. 
Are we going to condemn a criminal without first investigating? In the Philippines, if you have political enemies, they are going to have you arrested Friday afternoon. <laughs> daddy, Daddy Pert, see, he is laughing because he knows it is true. Your warrant will be served Friday afternoon. Why? Saturday, you will be in jail. Sunday, you will be in jail. Monday happens to be a holiday. You will be in jail. When can you get out? Minimum Tuesday, Wednesday. They were having the trial of Jesus Christ. In absentia, Jesus Christ was not there. They were already condemning Jesus Christ. And Nicodemus, the one who went to Jesus at night, stood up and defended Jesus Christ. Do we judge this man without first investigating? We. Are you also like him? Are you also from Galilee? Don't you know your history? Don't you know? No prophet has come from Galilee. Did Nicodemus understand? Well, maybe he was just exercising, you know, his being a lawyer. You know, he knew the law. Maybe, let's give him, let's, let's see. John 19. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple, but secretly because he feared the Jews. Meron secret agent? He was a disciple, but secretly. Why? Because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Jesus, by Nicodemus. You are awake. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had visit who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Was Nicodemus born again? From someone who came to Jesus under cover of darkness, he spoke out, in the court. And then he came out publicly in broad daylight. Together with Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea. Who was also a disciple but secretly. They had a coming out party so to speak. I am going to come out. As a follower of Jesus Christ. And I don't care what you say. What would Nicodemus risk by coming out this way? Could he lose his position? Could he lose his popularity? Could he lose his power? Could he lose his money? But was he willing? Was he willing to risk it all for Jesus? Joseph of Arimathea was a rich man. He provided the rich man's tomb, which was prophesied in the Old Testament. Was he also at risk? Of losing? Yes. But what did he do? He came out. He went to Pilate. May I have the body of my Lord. 
He was no longer a follower in secret. They both came out and shared with the world, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. What changed Nicodemus? I submit to you, the Word of God, the Bible, and the Word of God, Jesus Christ, changed Nicodemus because he understood from the Old Testament Scriptures. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Then he understood. He encountered the Word of God and he encountered the God of the Word. And the evidence came out. You see, belief is not just head knowledge, but obedience to God's word. If you say you are a Christian, it means you are a follower of Jesus Christ. It means that you are obeying God's word. I'm not saying you are perfect. But are you obeying God's word? And if I ask you, are you obeying God's word? What is the premise? You are reading God's word. Because how will you know what to follow if you do not read what you are supposed to know? Belief is not just head knowledge, but obedience to God's word. What am I saying? Romans 6, 1-4. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Paul says, may it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? So if you're really born again, there must be newness of life. You should no longer be living in sin. Sin must be defeated in your life. You should not use the grace of God to continue in your life of sin. I'm not saying you're sinless, but you must be sinning less and less and less and less. It continues, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Baptized means incorporated. So if you identify yourself with Christ, you have been incorporated with Christ, you have also supposed to be incorporated in his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him to baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We too might be born again. What is the evidence? We no longer take sin lightly. Because my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ went to that cruel cross because of the sin that I'm about to commit. What's important? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new crea creature. The old things have passed. Behold, new things have come. When you look at yourself in the mirror, do you see someone who is regenerate? Means you have been born again. Means you have newness of life. You are not the same person as you were. 
how many ever years you were before you got born again? Is there change in your life? You see, belief is not just knowing in the mind. You see it in your life. Just like Nicodemus understood and you see his change. Galatians says this, when Paul wrote against the religious leaders trying to convince people to get circumcised and join the religion, Paul said, neither for neither is circumcision anything, nor uncircumcision. What is important? A new creation. Religion will not save you. What is important is you are born again. Because unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. It is an absolute requirement. Warning. What if you reject Jesus? I'll just go to heaven my own way. What if you reject Jesus? Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Why? Because he's not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. How many times in this one passage do you see that common word? What? In one passage. In one sentence. Three times. Whoever believes will not be condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned. Because he has not believed. So you, have, you and I have to exercise a step of faith. You and I have to exercise a step of faith. You either believe in God's promise to you. That if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're born again and you're going to heaven. Or you just simply reject it. And you're still on your way to hell. Why? Because you already stand condemned. Because you have not believed. That's not me saying it, my friends. It's in red, right? Who said it? Jesus Christ. He said, if you don't believe in me, you're already condemned because you do not believe in me. I am the one sent by God the Father to save you. So how? How is one born of God? How is one born again? John 1, verse one chapter 1, verse 12 to 13 says this. As many as receive him, to them, he gave the right to become children of God. Is everyone a child of God? According to the Bible, is everyone a child of God? Answer, no. Only those who have received him, Jesus Christ, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So I may be part of God's creation, but unless I have encountered Jesus Christ, believed in Him, and received Him into my life, I cannot call myself a child of God. Yes? Only those who have received Him and believed in His name are those who can call themselves Children of God. How does this take place? Well, what is the meaning? Look. 
who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but but God. So who causes you to be born again? Who? God. God causes you to be born again. As a matter of fact, in the epistles in Peter, he said, I praise God who has caused me to be born again. But how do you respond to that message? You have to exercise faith. You go to your doctor, Mr. Nolan, five milligrams amlodipine, 20 milligrams lysinopril. This will even out your... Oh, you, <laughs> I see some faces reacting because they know the medication. You're also under maintenance. Huh? <laughs> Mr. Nolan, if you take these pills religiously, one in the morning, one in the evening, your blood pressure will, you know, will stabilize and you, know, you live longer. Okay, doc. So your, your pharmacy will send you a text message. Your prescription is ready. And they give you the address, CBS or Rite Aid or whatever. Then you go, you get it. And then you leave it in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, yes. Ah, I feel so light already. My blood pressure must be really, really good. You're not taking the medicine. You're not taking action. See, it's a combination. Who causes you to be born again? God. Who caused you to believe? God. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. Salvation belongs to our God. He gave it to you. All you need to do is to respond in faith. I come, Lord. I come. I come to the cross. Not because of what I have done, but because what you have done. Not because of who I am, but because of who you are. God desires you to have a personal relationship with Him. As many as receive Him. To them, He gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe in His name. I didn't ask. My friends, that's why it's called grace. Even if you did not ask, God is offering it to you. Are you willing to accept? God Almighty, we thank you for how you have shown us through your word how much you love us. That even if this man Nicodemus, who in his mind knew everything there is to know about the word and about spiritual things, when he encountered you, he was changed. You did not mind that he came to you under cover of darkness. You saw through his heart, through his mind, and you answered the question that was most important to Deconemus and maybe even to some of us right here this morning. Thank you, Lord God, that you met Nicodemus 
at the level of his understanding and need, even as you will do that to us this morning. And when Nicodemus encountered you, he was changed. Will you allow us to encounter you this morning, Lord God? I don't know who it is who is here this morning who does not yet have a personal relationship with you, but that's your department, Lord God. And if you're here this morning and God is speaking to you and calling out to you, will you respond? And just tell him, God, will you cause me to be born again? And I believe it by faith. And begin to live a life that is new. Turn your back on your old life. And live in newness of life. God, will you speak to all of us, I pray, that we do not take your word for granted. Because those who do not believe already stands condemned because they have not believed in God's only Son. And even the faith to believe, Lord, we trust comes from you. So we praise you, God. We thank you that you have done everything for us to ensure that we have an opportunity to have a personal relationship with your Son and to spend the rest of eternity with you in heaven. And for this, we are eternally grateful, Lord Jesus. For it is in your name we pray all of these things. Amen. Now, for your uh, discussion questions, okay, how would you explain what born again means to somebody if somebody asked? What evidence would you cite in claiming to be a born again Christian? What areas in your life does, does God need to change to make you a better witness for Jesus? We're going to keep that, those slides right there. They will also be sent to you through our discussion group guides this coming week. And may I encourage all of you, especially the families, because we want to make each family a discipleship group, right? So when you have a time, when you're having your discipleship time with your family, use this. You don't need to reinvent the wheel because it's already there. So sit down with them. Maybe after a meal so that they don't lose their appetite, you know. <laughs> after a meal, you discuss, okay, uh, the message last Sunday. Uh, if, you, if, if your, if your uh, schoolmate asks you, hey, I heard you're born again, what does that mean? How would you explain it to them? You know? Uh, what evidence would you cite to claim to be a born-again Christian? And you know, in the process of this, you're already, you're already really sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because you're explaining to the person what it means to be born again and the evidence of your being born again, which is the areas in your life that God is changing. Yes? yes. So 
screenshot or whatever it is you want to do, this will also be sent out to you through the discussion guides. Here at CCF, we don't pass the offering plate. We have a tight box at the back. So give as the Lord impresses upon your heart to give, and your giving goes to the work of the ministry. All right? So have a blessed Sunday, everyone. God bless. To next Sunday is Mother's Day. Bring your mothers, and we'll have a meal together with that. All right? Register for, register for the Women to Women. Register for Daily Vacation Bible School. Get hooked up with the small group. All right? Have a good weekend.